Well, good morning. It's cool uh, to see people out there because the last couple of times I've preached has just been an empty room. So I just got to soak this in. <clears throat> and I also just want to put a disclaimer out there that I didn't plan on. But if I cry today, uh, it's, I don't know why because we're talking about joy. But all of a sudden, like the last couple of weeks, I've been way like... I never cry, not emotional. I've cried a couple of times the last couple of weeks, and it's thrown me off. And I was standing over there, and I felt it coming. So if it comes, I don't know if it's like the longer we're removed from competitive sports, I just start like losing an edge. Or like in our Wednesday night prayer group, Doug's been praying for softened hearts. So I don't know if he goes home and just prays specifically for me. And it's just like... I just need, so if you guys could just pray, my heart will harden just a little bit still. That'd be nice. <clears throat> but if you were here last week or if you were watching online, uh, you know we're in a series called Joyride. We're talking about joy, and uh, Doug actually kind of like threw a challenge out for me last week in that he's usually, you know, a pretty long-winded preacher. He likes to get into depth with things. I think it's just because he's, he's wiser than me. So he has more to say. Uh, <laughs> where I'm a little more, you know, like, here's what it says to the point, let's get out in time for brunch, not lunch, right? But Doug was short last week. I think he went like 30 minutes, which is like half of what he usually does. So he, he kind of like threw a, threw a challenge down at me to be shorter. Uh, so today, just be happy and love each other. You're dismissed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but we are going to talk about joy today, and we are going to be quick because that's my style, and I don't like losing, so we're going to be faster than Doug was last week, but we're going to talk about joy, and everybody needs joy, right? Like, in fact, right now, we're going to do tons of audience interaction because you guys are here today, and it's so exciting. Just who wants some joy? Just raise your hand if you could use some joy. Yep, 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 that's right. Research actually shows that joyful people uh, experience less chance of having a heart attack, they have lower cholesterol, they have decreased stress levels, they have stronger immune systems, they have fewer aches and pains, and they live longer lives. So who really wants some joy now? Like, yeah, joy is a good thing. And as I said, the last couple times I preached, the room was empty. So what I want to do, and if you're watching online, go ahead and throw it uh, just in the chat box for Amber. What are some things that bring you joy? And if you're here in person, just yell something out. Just what are some things in your life that bring you joy? Babies. Babies. Freedom. Jesus. Some other things. For those of you watching online who can't hear, babies, freedom, Jesus, some other stuff. Family. My dog. What was it? Coffee. Nice. All right, you guys get those online. Oh, what was, for those of you online that couldn't hear, Carly's in the back, and she said me. So just so you guys know, I bring her joy. So <laughs> she said, Pastor Brad, I love him so much. So just Keep that in mind. 
Uh, but today we're going to continue through the book of Philippians and we're going to look at six ways that we can receive joy. So all these things we said that give us joy, those are good things, but we're going to look at six specific ways that Paul tells us we can receive joy and how they're supported throughout all of scripture, not just the book of Philippians. And I like to look at this as like a game plan that Paul gives us with guaranteed results. And guaranteed's kind of a word like we throw a Around, but uh, here it actually means it. Like sometimes you get those products that say satisfaction guaranteed, and then they're not that good. They don't really satisfy you, and you like try to go through the process of getting your money back, and it's this really long process, and eventually you're just kind of like, oh yeah, this is all right, I'll keep it. And that's what they mean by satisfaction guaranteed, is that uh, we'll make it difficult enough for you to keep it. But what Paul means is that if we follow this specific game plan, he guarantees we will see the results of joy in our lives, and we will live joyful lives, like Pastor Doug preached about, that just embolden others to live joyful lives. And I just like to think of, if you're an athlete, and your coach has a game plan, that guarantees results, that guarantees you're going to win this game, you're going into that game feeling pretty good. Or let's say uh, you're going to the gym, you have a physical trainer that can actually guarantee results, to guarantee weight loss or muscle gain, whatever you're going to. Uh, that's a pretty good thing. You're feeling pretty good about that. Or how about uh, if you had a financial advisor who could guarantee what stocks to invest in and you'd be a millionaire? Like how many, if, you're, if your advisor could guarantee without a shadow of doubt who's like leaving right now going to invest, right? Not just me, all right. But that's what we're talking about. Paul guarantees that if we follow this game plan, we will see the results of joy in our life. So the first way joy comes to us is when we remem remember that God is at work in our lives. And this is some pretty basic stuff. I think it'll be a reminder for most of us, but sometimes it's just stuff that we need to hear. So joy comes when we remember God is at work in our lives. In Philippians 1.19, it says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. The cool thing about here is that Paul says, For I know. He doesn't say that I believe that what has happened to me uh, will turn out for my deliverance or that I hope or that I pray, but that Paul knows that through prayers and help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to him will turn out for his deliverance. He knows that God is still working in the midst of his circumstances. Do you believe that in your own life? Do you believe that in the midst of the circumstances that you're in today, this week, yesterday, today, tomorrow, forevermore, that God is working in those circumstances, that all the negative that has happened in your life will turn out for your deliverance? It's easy for us to sit here, say that, and say amen, but when it comes down to it in the moment, when you're experiencing loss, when you're experiencing financial crisis, when you're experiencing struggles, do you actually believe in the midst of those circumstances that God God is at work. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, Be, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of it, that he who's began a good work will carry it out. 
God is at work in you every day. He's at work in you the good days. He's at work in you the bad days, the stressful days, the exciting days, the tiresome days, the days that you don't even want to get out of bed, the sick days. Uh, He's at work with you every day. And sometimes we can't see it, so it's hard for us to believe and we forget about it. But we can find joy knowing that God is always at work in our lives. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And in Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We're looking at tons of scripture here today because these, this game plan for joy is repeated over and over and over again in scripture because uh, it's not only true, but they double down on it because it's that guaranteed. So we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It says all things. That's pretty inclusive. There's not a lot left out of all things. So the big things, the little things, good things, bad things, that God is at work for those who have been called according to his purpose. And in Psalm 37:23, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I think it's easy for us uh, when some big things happen in our lives to, you know, give them to God and go to prayer and expect him to work in that. But uh, this says all things and that he delights in every detail. That means the smallest things. He is delighting in everything in your life, and he is working in every aspect, in every area, in every minute detail of your life. God is at work, and we can find joy in that. There's no one else I would rather trust. I love Carly. I love people in my life. There's no one else I'd rather trust with every detail of my life than God. So there's lots of joy knowing that he is at work in all things. Second, joy comes to us when we believe that God answers prayers. Philippians 1.19 says, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So we already looked at the for I know and that what has happened to me. But that Paul says that through your prayers. I guarantee you that Paul was praying for himself. But he doesn't say that through my prayers. He says that through your prayers. Because Paul understood the value of a community of believers coming together to pray for him on his, on him, his behalf, knowing that those prayers would be answered. Oh, man. All right, Mark 11, 24 says, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Uh, I don't know how many of us actually believe that to be true. That whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And this isn't like uh, a jab at you guys. I'm included in that. I don't know how many of us believe that to be true. Uh, Because if we truly believed what scripture says, we believe this to be the whole truth, uh, our lives would be drastically different. 
prayer would be a vital part of our life. We have a Wednesday night prayer group, uh, and if we all truly believed this to be true, prayer would be the most important thing we do. And I believe it is the most important thing we do, that that hour on Wednesday night as a church that we come together and lift others in prayer, lift our church in prayer, lift our community, our leaders in prayer, that is the most important thing that we do. More important than being here on a Sunday morning listening to some punk kid just scream at you and tell you all these things, that prayer is the most important thing we should do, and that that hour would be so prioritized to us if we truly believed in this. And I understand that we have lives, and we have things going on throughout the week. I'm with you. I have a life. Believe it or not, I do have a life, and things going on throughout the week. But I promise you, uh, if you look at your life Whatever you prioritize, there is time for. Whatever you value the most, there is time for. So if we really believed in this scripture, our Wednesday night prayer group would have a lot more people and a lot more impact than it does right now. And I think we would just pray different. And the value of prayer is so important because it is, it's... I just, it's how you have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with anyone that I've never communicated with. Like communication is the key to any relationship and prayer is how we build that relationship with God. So if we really believed in these scriptures, it would be so important to us. Our third joy comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. And Philippians 1.19 again says, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So he includes that through your prayers and also through the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then Galatians 5.22 says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all good things, right? Those are the kind of fruits we want in our life, and that's what the Holy Spirit produces in us. And then Ephesians 3.16 tells us, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. So again and again and again in Scripture, it reminds us that the Holy Spirit strengthens us and empowers us. And the good news in that and that what can bring us joy is that we're not stuck where we're at. Wherever you're at right now, you're not stuck. That we can continue to grow and we can continue to become better people. And that's good news, right? We can be a better husband. We can be a better wife because the Holy Spirit is strengthening us and empowering us. We can be better parents. We can be better friends. We can be better employees because the Holy Spirit comes and and empowers us and strengthens us. And we're not stuck where we're at right now. We continue to grow and continue to become better because the Holy Spirit can strengthen us. And that's some joy, right? The fourth joy comes when we trust that God will not disappoint us. And this is a hard pill 
for people to swallow, but I think this is what hangs up a lot of people, is it's tough for us to say that we believe that God is going to disappoint us, but oftentimes we live our lives in a way that just we don't believe he's going to come through for us. And we think he is going to disappoint us. We have doubt. We have questions. We say things like, what if, what if God doesn't come through? Or how about this? What if I tithe and I don't have any money left over at the end of the month? And this isn't about tithing, so I don't want to go down that too much. But if we truly believed in Scripture and what it says, then I promise you, everybody in the world would tithe if they believed in Scripture and what it says. And we're not going to talk about that. Uh, You can look up that stuff on your own or talk to us somewhere else. But if we truly believed what Scripture said, I promise you, everyone would do it. But whatever it is in Scripture, whatever point we struggle to follow Scripture, it comes down to a lack of faith. It comes down to doubt that we don't think God's going to come through. We think we're going to be disappointed. And Philippians 1.20 says this. This is Paul talking. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. Paul's expecting to have no shame in the gospel, no shame in his belief, no shame in his faith, no shame in the name of Jesus. And this is backed up in Psalm 25.3. It says, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. And then God himself doubles down on this in the book of Isaiah, saying, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. I want you to listen to that again and how powerful that is in our lives. This is God himself speaking. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. If we believed this in our lives, what do we have to worry for? Why are we anxious? Do you believe that you won't be disappointed in the midst of illness? That you won't be disappointed in the midst of financial crisis, in the midst of loss, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic? Do you believe that you won't be disappointed in the midst of an election? Do you believe that you won't be disappointed that it doesn't matter who is leading the country because God is at work in all things and that those who hope in him will not be disappointed? When we know how this story ends, everything along the way impacts us less. When we know that at the end of the road, we will not be disappointed. It doesn't matter the struggles, the bumps we hit along the way. We know that we will not be disappointed. And I like to think of it this way. In 2011, Nebraska football, some of you will remember this. Nebraska football was playing Ohio State at Memorial Stadium. And five minutes into the second half, the score was Ohio State 27, Nebraska 6. And it was so bad that fans actually just started leaving Memorial Stadium early. Now the game continued on. Some things happened. I won't give you all the details, even though I really want to. Um, But Nebraska ended up winning this game 34 to 27. Go Big Red. And I just want to think, 
There were fans that left early that thought they were going to be disappointed at the end. If you had a time machine and you went back and you know the end result of this game, you know even with, when the game's almost over and they're down 27 to 6, you know that they're going to come back and win. How are you feeling at halftime? You're feeling good. You're not leaving early because you know that you won't be disappointed. And that's what we have here. We have a guarantee that at the end of this road, we are not going to be disappointed. It doesn't matter if we're down 21 points. At the end of the game, we know that we have victory, that those who hope in me will not be disappointed, and we can have joy in every circumstance, knowing that it is not lasting forever, that at the end of the road, we are victorious. Fifth, our joy comes when we put Jesus first in our life. And Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. So I want you to picture it uh, for you in your life. So if you were to write this, it would say, For to me, to live is blank. And what do you put in that blank. Some of us would put things like family or finances or to live is relationship or to live is influence. And those are all good things. But if anything else fills that blank other than Christ, then to die is loss. The only thing that can fill that and for to die to still be gain is Christ. And family's good. Relationships are good. Influence are good. All good things, but none of those should come before Jesus. Jesus is the only thing we can live for, that to die is to gain. And our sixth way joy comes to us is when we put others before ourselves. Philippians 1, through 26 says this, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to, to, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So Paul is putting others before himself here and finding joy because of it. Because Paul's life would have been uh, way better to just depart and be with Christ. But he knew uh, that he had impact and he had influence here. And he was to continue building the kingdom and building believers around him. When it comes to your life, just honestly ask yourself, when it comes to what you need or what, other ne- what others need, who wins? Are you living for others or for yourself? When you wake up every morning, is your focus on you or is it on those around you? Because the truth is, your life 
is not about you. We weren't put on this earth to live for ourselves. You weren't put here to live a life for yourself. You were put on this earth because of the impact you could have and the ways that you could help others around you. I hope this week that we can receive joy, knowing that joy comes when we recognize that God is at work. Joy comes when we believe God answers prayers. Joy comes when we realize the Holy Spirit is supplying all our needs. Joy comes when we know that God won't disappoint us. Joy comes when we make Christ the priority in our lives. And joy comes when we put others before ourselves. And if you follow this game plan that's set out, it is a guarantee that you will receive joy. And it is a joy that the world cannot give you. And as a result, it is a joy that the world cannot take away. Amen. It's been good to be here this morning.